0: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish, it's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations
1: hello and welcome to the farm traveler podcast this is episode 18 and our guests today are paul and kendra morvak of the morvak cattle company in grand bay alabama paul and kendra are going to talk to us about their first generation beef cattle operation as well as the row crop there that's as part of of a fifth generation we're going to talk a lot about animal health and how they're using social media to help bridge the gap between farmers and consumers and a really cool story is that their last name was really familiar because I had a friend in high school that had that last name, Morvac. Come to find out, their grandpa graduated from Bluntstown High School in Florida, which is where I graduated from, except he graduated in the 40s, so a few 60 years before I graduated, uh, which is <laughs> just random little funny story. And quick little side note, last week was our biggest week ever on the podcast. We had 250 people listen to our episodes, which is nuts. So if you're sharing our podcast, please continue to do so. Share it, like our Instagram, share the podcast out the wazoo if you want. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Again, this is episode 18 with Paul and Kendra Morvac. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, Paul and Kendra Morvak. How are you guys doing?
2: We're doing good. How you doing?
1: Doing good. So you guys are from, are from Grand Bay, Alabama. I'm a little bit south of you guys, from Lower Alabama, or AKA the Florida Panhandle. Um, right. You guys have a cattle ranch, so kind of tell me about that. Well, first off, tell me about your start in agriculture. How you both kind of got started in the ag industry?
2: Well, I'm. Uh, it's been in my family for a while. I'm fifth generation with row crops. Uh, my great grandfather started basically with a little garden and it kind of grew from there. Uh, they started with produce. Um, this was before I was even thought about, then they started getting into soybeans, uh, more of the legumes with the peanuts and all that. And, uh, that's where we're at now. My father, uh, he handles a lot of the row crops, cotton and peanuts are what we, are what we, uh, specialize in. And then, uh, me and Kendra we handle the cattle end of the business and we're in the uh we, we do stocker calves winter grazing this is a first generation for us and so we're relatively new in the cattle industry maybe about 5 years and um, we uh yeah we we get them and we fatten them up and and that's that's what we do I like that Kendra what about you
0: um well obviously I was kind of married into it but um Growing up, I was in, um, I still had a passion for ag. I was in the FFA. I showed a little bit of goats. Um, we had horses and my uncle, he ran cattle. Um, so I got what little cattle background I had from him um, and then married into it on Paul's side.
1: I like it. So, so what's that been like? I mean, having your own kind of cattle operation. What are some things you've learned over the past couple of years doing it? I mean, I can imagine it hasn't been very easy.
2: <laughs> yeah it uh you know when I came back from uh, from college um that's the story in and of itself we met in college by the way in the Montgomery Alabama at Faulkner University and when we came back I mainly did uh, the row crops and and kind of worked under my dad We started kind of taking an interest in the cattle we've always just and I tell people we really do this at the end of the day uh, because you love for animals you know I mean, it's you can't. It's not all about the money and all that. Or it, if if you're in it for the money, it'll weed you out pretty quickly. I've always said that you have to have a passion for it. Um, it's it's been some challenges, uh, ups and downs, like anything else, any other job. But we uh, we always come out on top, and um, you know, like I said, we, we love it, and it's been it's been challenging, but we uh, we make it through and we make it work. What are some
1: things that you guys have really succeeded doing? And what are some things that you kind of, kind of failed at and kind of learned from and kind of put to practice as the years kind of went on for both the row crops and for the cattle operation?
2: For the cattle operation, I would say the biggest thing that we learned was in the, in the stalker and the feeder calves, uh, we buy these animals three to 500 pounds. So they're basically, you know, like little kids and, uh, It's like, it's like a kindergarten, you know, all the kids get snotty noses, you know, especially during the colder months. And, and the health is huge. It's, it's huge. And it's something that, you know, we have to stay, stay on top of. Um, And with uh, the mistakes that we made probably would be um, not really checking into the health programs of where, where we buy these cattle. That, that's huge. um, Because... If you, if you buy them and, and you don't know their health and their background and then you start mixing them with some healthy ones, you, you're looking at a, a possible train wreck. And so the biggest thing is health, and uh, that, that's the biggest thing we learned. And we started buying more country cattle uh, out on the farms and the ranches throughout the southeast, and, uh, and we get them and we plant our rye grass. We let them graze and let them put on the pounds, and we try to aim for about three, three and a half pounds a day. On uh, solely grass we don't we don't uh, feed or corn or, or soy or anything like that we, we strictly do grass and, and free choice minerals and uh, we get them up to around seven eight hundred pounds and then we send them out to Nebraska and uh, and Kansas and into and the feed yards out that way so why do you guys
1: primarily do grass I know a lot of people um, either do grain fed or feed or grass so why did you guys settle on grass only
0: Um, Well, most cattle, they start their, they spend most of their life on grass, and then they're finished grain before they're slaughtered, so that's when you'll have your grain fed, Um, but where we are, where we live, we grow the perfect grass here, so it's easier for us to feed them that, and then you will give them, you know, minerals and steps to that and some hay, Um, but yeah, generally your cattle are fed grass their whole life, and then so many days to the end of life they're fed grain
2: yeah and and it's it's you know from a financial standpoint it's the most cost effective uh way to do it um because it they eat so much and their appetite is so strong it would uh it would take a lot of feed and uh a lot of capital to to do that and uh and like i said like kendra said you know we where we're at we really where it doesn't get too cold and it doesn't get too hot, and you know, living you know in this area, you know, it the winters aren't too brutal, and you get ample rainfall, and so the grass, that winter ryegrass, really just does wonders, and uh, they can really pack it on. And a lot of those feed yards out west, you know, they they really like the grass fed um, because it kind of it kind of blows their guts out, and that, that's that's the word we use, but it really expands their stomach. To where once they get to the feed yard, you know, it might take them a little while to, to adjust to that feed because a lot of them don't even know what feed is. But once they start eating, they can really put down that grain and that feed because their guts are so expanded from all that grass. And that's, that's the main reason why we, we do the, the grass.
1: I can imagine that that is really cost effective of there, just having them graze off the grass all day long. Um, and I'm super jealous. Are, are you guys far enough north in Alabama where you might get snow every winter? Uh
0: no, we
2: <laughs> on the- we've
0: seen snow once since I've been in Mobile.
2: <laughs> oh, really? Nice.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah we're uh, Grand Bay, Alabama. It's um, yeah. I've my whole life here. I've maybe seen snow twice, two or three times, and. And it, you know, just enough to kind of white the ground, but that's about it. It's, it doesn't accumulate, Fantastic. but uh, yeah, it's, uh, if you, if it starts snowing down here, you know, check the news or something, something's going on.
1: Yeah, exactly. As far as I've known, it's only snowed twice in Bluntstown and both of those times, well, one, I was one years old, so I don't really remember it. And two, I was gone. To Orlando the second time. So of course, both times it happened wasn't really there. So
0: that's really cool. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, so it seems like you guys have a really big social media presence. Like how have y'all been using that to kind of grow your brand and also to kind of kind of show consumers how exactly beef production works?
0: Well, yeah, our business, like social media stuff, it's fairly new and it's still trying, still trying to grow that. We started that because we wanted not only to get our name out there. But being younger um, in the cattle industry, we want to be able to educate other people and show other people that younger people can be in the cattle industry. Because um, it's it's kind of unheard of, not unheard of, but it's not common to have someone as young as Paul and I in this industry and be where we're at in it. Um, like, for instance, we went to a cattleman meeting one time here in our county, and we walked in and everybody was just looking at us because they... We're just shocked that we were so young and all them were in their 60s. Yeah, we just like being able to educate everybody on what we do and, um, you know, them hearing it from our mouths and not what they see on, you know, the other media or the news that's out there. People that don't see what goes on behind closed doors.
2: Yeah, we, we I saw I listened to one uh, one earlier podcast you had. There was a woman, I believe she was a dairy farmer up north somewhere, and she was saying that about how. These kids, they they get their information from farms and ranches, from people that have no clue, or, or talking heads out there in Hollywood and, and all that. And I'm I'm not bad mouthing people in Hollywood, but you need to get it straight from the horse's mouth, and that's what she said, and we couldn't agree more. You know, there's a lot of false information out there with anything, and uh, you know, it, it's good to get it from the people that that live it and do it, and not even just ranchers. Like I said, you you don't even have to own a cow, you know, I mean, it, or, or plan a plant. I mean, just being an advocate and, uh, being a part of the industry, you know, from everywhere, from the producers, from the cow calf, all the way up to the packing plants and the, uh, the restaurants and, and the cooks and the chefs that cook this, this meat and this, this food that we're able to, uh, provide. There's so many different angles and, and getting it taken a little bit from all different types of those people. You know, I, I think, really helps with with that because the, the there's a lot of false information out there and I think everybody can agree with us on that you know with the news and everything and you know and that's why we think you know bringing kids out you know we're gonna plan where the elementary school down the road where they come out and do like a field trip field day where they come out and see the farm or the ranch and and it really does start with that younger generation and and kind of bridging that gap between the the younger generation and the older generation there
1: yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yet the guest you're talking about, her name was Katie, and she is she's a dairy farmer from Maryland, and she has this shirt, and she keeps on selling them. It's called Ask a Farmer, not Google, because so many people just Google it instead of asking an actual farmer that produces their food or raises their food. So that's a lot of really good points. Um, you said that you're going to bring some kids out to the old farm. Have y'all done agrotourism before, like any having people out there to kind of see what goes on in your operation?
2: We have not, and that's something we're going to get into. Um, we're part of the young cattlemen's, the YCLP program this year and, uh, at the state level with the cattlemen's. And, uh, that's one of the things that, um, they really recommended. We, uh, we know a a rancher down the road from us, an older gentleman, he is a big advocate on that. He brings kids out and, uh, gets with the local schools and, and, you know, and, you know, fixes them a little lunch and and takes them on a hayride and, and shows them the animals and, I think that's huge because it really does start with the younger generation. And if they get fed false information, you know, they're going to believe this false information and it's not their fault. I really hate that because farming and and ranching and and all that. I mean, this is kind of salt of the earth type of thing. And, you know, it needs to continue and it needs to, you know, I, I think that it's heading in the right direction and everybody knows what to do. It's just the fact of getting everybody on board. Getting everybody involved, you know, social media, and I mean, y'all know a lot more about it than I do, and I'm trying to get more involved with it. You got to keep up with the times; the times are changing, and you got to be involved with your social media. Your, you know, get involved with your county level, and your, uh, you know, young farmers or uh, cattlemen's or, or whatever it might be, get involved locally, and then get involved at the state level, and, and then even get involved national. The NCBA, I mean, it it starts just with one step, and and I. I'm a big proponent on, uh, on getting the kids, you know, the right information. And and then they say, you know what, this is, I like this. I want to be a farmer, you know, I want to get involved with this. And, uh, then it starts kind of that chain reaction. So how important is animal health to you guys? Which I
1: know it's of course, super important in animal agriculture. So how exactly do you guys handle animal health with your, with your herd?
0: Every time we get new cattle in, we'll bring them in and um, we'll give them, if we know, if things they haven't had, like certain vaccines, we'll vaccinate them. Um, If they have a runny nose or if they're coughing, we'll medicate that. Um, And then when we're, you know, riding through them, checking them every day, if we see one that looks a little sick, we'll put it in the chute and we'll medicate it as well. And if we have something that we have to keep medicating and keep pulling out to give it medication, we'll separate it from the healthy ones. And, I mean, going back to earlier what you're talking about, successes and failures, we did learn one year, um, we decided to mass medicate. So we did that um, with some that we really didn't know the health background to, but if their immune system is already low and you're mass medicating every single one, in the end, you're just going to be losing money because you're mass medicating. So it's like you're fighting an uphill battle. So what you're giving them might not even do anything for their immune systems. That's what we do. And a lot of people that are not in the cattle industry or doesn't have any ag background, they're, you know, they say, you know, don't, don't give your animals this, don't give them that. But it's inhumane to not give your cattle medication because you don't want them to suffer and get sick.
2: Typically, like I said, we check them twice a day. Every day, morning and evening, shoot, sometimes more. And uh, you got it. Like I said, it's like a bunch of kindergarten kids. You got to constantly watch them. The biggest threat that we have with health is shipping fever, uh, which is basically just pneumonia. And it it's caused mainly by a virus or a bacteria and stress. And you combine stress and then they get exposed to a virus or bacteria. Then it opens them up to, you know, pneumonia. And when they're that young, it, it it can be detrimental. And it, it, if you don't act quickly and with the right medication at the right time, a lot of times it's it's not a good outcome. But we do a lot of quarantining and, and all that stuff. But it really is, I mean, the, the health is huge because it will, I mean, it will spread like a wildfire. And then you're looking at, you know, everything you've worked for uh, going downhill. And, and I think anybody that's ever done this is, you know, been in those shoes, uh, and, it, and it's not a good feeling. But um, but yeah, we now and lately, like Kendra was saying, with the Mass medicating, that was one thing that we learned that us personally, for us, we're, we would never do again. Yeah. Um, that's us. Everybody's different. Yeah, There's everybody. One way to skin a cat.
0: Everybody has all these health programs that they try. Yeah, and, and they might, have to they have to find what works for them and what works for their operation.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and what we might do might not work for somebody down the road. Different soil, different different bugs that are in the ground and worms and, and viruses and, and different genetics in their cattle, the health is, is the most important thing. But, um, but yeah, but now when we see them sick and if they, if they got a runny nose and they're coughing a couple of times, a lot of times now I've learned to just let them be, just keep an eye on them, maybe pull them out, give them some hay and water, some feed or something, or just medicate a feed, but don't give them that shot because when you're doing that, you're doing almost their immune system a disservice, you know, because they need to learn to fight that naturally. And, you know, everybody talks bad about the antibiotics. Well, we don't give them antibiotics unless they absolutely have to have it. It's either that or death. And like it, like Kendra said, it would be inhumane to not give them an antibiotic when they're just, you know, and it has nothing to do with money or financial. It's just for you know, animals. I mean, just for the love of the animal, yeah. you're not going to sit there and I watch mean, him suffer and if you're die. If your kid's
0: sick, you take it to the doctor. Exactly. So there's really no difference.
2: Yeah. And so, but now if he gets worse and worse, then we have to go with the antibiotics and then, then he'll, we'll kind of rehab him back and then we'll introduce him back into the herd.
0: Yeah. And another thing, like not only the shipping fever, but another thing here that we see a lot of is pink eye. So we have to we have to medicate that a lot, or if you don't fix that quick, then they'll go blind.
2: Yeah, it's very aggressive in cattle. Uh, not like it is with humans. Uh, I don't know too much about the pink eye in humans, but yeah, in cattle, if you don't do nothing, it can. You know, there's so many different strands of the pink eye. Uh, one, sometimes they can get over it on their own. But then the next one, you know, it can make them go blind in a couple of days if you don't treat it. You know, and uh, uh, you know, and that's you know, not go down this rabbit hole but you know to prevent that also you got to keep you know your fly control just flies and keep your grass kind of cut you know because they'll grass is high they'll kind of scratch their their lens on their eye and kind of open them up to an infection in the eye so um yeah if you don't have your health you don't have a herd um mm-hmm. health is is the number one I, I i've said it a million times but I can't stress it. If I, my advice would be somebody getting into the feeder calf or stalker calf business, or, or not even that, just anybody with cattle, you know, with baby calves, if you're in a cow calf operation, treat them, you know, treat them like your kids. I've always said that, you know, we provide for them, so they can provide for us.
1: I love that when people talk about antibiotics in beef, they just get super super annoyed. How dare you use antibiotics in cows? Like, what do they need that for? Well, y'all brought up some really good points. Whenever your kids sick, you take them to a doctor. They give them antibiotics, help them get better. I mean, in beef cow, just like in humans, it's like a last-ditch effort to help them get better. I know y'all don't deal with it, but when there's a cow that's, I mean, getting ready to get processed, like, they they take it off the line, and they make sure there's no antibiotic residue in that cow at all until it's processed. So those are all really, really good points. You guys have kind of touched base on this before, but how do you see the farmer-consumer relationship now? Like, there's a lot of people, a lot of farmers go into social media kind of bringing the— news and information to them but there's also a lot of issue going on about like animal issues animal health wellness GMOs. so kind of how do you guys see the farmer consumer relationship right now
2: i see it i see it okay i see it okay it needs there's a lot of areas that needs to get a lot better and and i'm not an expert but my opinion a couple i mean i could talk probably for hours about this but uh when we, we went to the uh, Cattle Con in New Orleans that the NCBA put on, and anybody listen to this, we're, we highly recommend going to the Cattle Con. It's just an expo, and they have speakers. And and like I said, you know, just being an advocate of if, if you enjoy beef, if you enjoy cattle or any part of that, we strongly recommend you go. And anyway, while we were there, Sonny Perdue, former governor of Georgia, and so he he was talking and he said uh transparency i think that's huge i think that a lot of these farmers and ranchers in the world you know i mean the country i think in the world but for us i think they they kind of distance themselves from reality and i'm not speaking for all the farmers and ranchers i think there's a good bulk that are involved but there needs to be more that are involved and they kind of hide away at their farm and their ranch and I tell people this all the time when I was growing up, there was a guy that told me, he said, people don't need to know what goes on out here. I I mean, I completely disagree with what he said because he, you know, I understand he was talking about how, you know, when a calf dies or or when people have uh, have to spray their crops with chemicals and and all this people aren't, you know, some people shouldn't see that. But I disagree because when you hide away, it, it creates suspicion and I think people need to be transparent. Uh, they need to bring people out tours on the farm, show them. Um, there's a huge gap between. I think there's several gaps. I think there's a gap in within the cattle industry itself between the younger generation and the older generation. And I think from consumer to producer, I think there's a gap because you know people, you know they, they have no idea what goes on on the farm except from a PETA ad.
0: Yeah, they won't, know, they won't do their own research.
2: Yes, and they just see that, and they, well, that's the truth, you know, and and, and it's not. You know, do your own research. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and I, I would never try to persuade somebody or try to tell them that they're wrong. Everybody's entitled. That's what makes this country great. It's for, you know, that's what freedom is. But give it a chance. Do You know, uh, listen to podcasts. You know, go to these meetings, do all these things and educate yourself. And it doesn't matter what it is. Educate yourself because, you know, nobody knows everything. And and I I think that instead of looking at a PETA ad of of somebody abusing an animal, not everybody does that, that there's a little bit of corruption in everything in the world. Just because one rancher did that doesn't mean, you know, that the majority of people are like us. You know, they love animals. They treat them, you know, we treat our animals like they're our kids while they're here. And we give them the best care uh, medically, you know, constantly with grass. They're eating the best food and and the forages and everything. And, And we treat them right while they're here. And then when we send them out west to the feed yards, we hope, and I'm sure they do, they treat them like we did. And they treat them right. And like it goes back to what I said, you know, we provide for them they provide for us and that's just the cycle of life
1: i agree that everybody can have their own opinion but i love the transparency that you were talking about that people need to see what's going on a farm that way it takes out any suspicion and i mean you just have this veil undone and you can kind of see exactly where your food comes from you can see the faces behind it and i've learned more and more that you can also see that you know especially you guys you often talk to other beef farmers you can see that you're having the same issues that other people are having so you can kind of kind Of figure out that you're all in this together and that everybody has different issues, and we're all trying to figure this out. So, I really like transparency you're talking about. Paul and Kendra, this has been great. Um, if people want to learn more about Morvette Cattle Company, where can they find you guys? I know you're all on Instagram, but where can they go to learn more about you?
0: Yeah, so our we have a Facebook, and I think on Facebook we're just Morvette Cattle Co. Then, our Instagram name is um, it's so it's bar underscore m period b or i'm sure if you just google or you look on instagram for more of it cattle co it'll pop up then too but that's where we'll be on social media
2: yeah and if anybody is in the area stop by don't be strangers and uh like i said in what we were talking about earlier transparency i invite anytime 24 7 i invite anybody to come out here and see our operation because we you know we have nothing to hide like i said earlier i could talk hours about that but uh all of us. That's why we're sitting here talking because we feel so strongly about it. And we just hope that people that don't know much get a, get a hold through social media. Now, nowadays there's no excuses, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, find your local ranch, you know, give them a call, go out there and talk to them. They'd be more than happy to give you a tour or talk to you or, um, or find somebody that if they can't answer your question, I'm sure they'd find somebody that can answer it. Um, and we, we appreciate you having us on.
0: Yeah, and if anybody has any questions, feel free to message us on either Facebook or Instagram.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, thank you guys both for being on. Um, Yeah, we'll be sure to send everybody your way. We'll link your Instagram and Facebook and everything on our podcast and on our social media channels as well. So, uh, Paul, Kendra, we wish you guys the best of luck, and thanks for being on.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks
1: so much. Hey everyone, we're trying to make things easier for you to listen to the podcast. We are now a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, and that means you can now find us on an additional platform. We're now available on the Waypoint app on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire Stick, smart TVs like Samsung, and even game systems. While you're on there, check out over 2,500 of the best hunting and fishing shows and short films, download the app, and watch and listen anywhere. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.